Hey, hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 23rd of October, 2023. Happy Monday to you. So, second to last Monday in October. Halloween is just over a week and a half away, so we'll get you to it one way or another. I'm going to find you. I'm going to get you, get you, get you, get you. Welcome to it. Don't forget, thanks to everybody about the notes about the week in and review. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. I'm going to get to the program, which I recorded the other day, as quickly as possible. And I'll tell you that I've been dealing with a headache and sick kids all weekend. So, yeah, I'll do the book signed book contest tomorrow. I'm thinking everybody's passed it, but then again, knock on wood. Then again, who knows? Quinn's developed a little bit of a cough. Seems to be doing all right, but we'll see. So... After temperatures and everything, yucky, sore throats, hopefully it's on its way out. Fingers crossed. So without any further ado, we'll get to the program. Lots going on, new developments and everything, and quite a mess that we have because Washington, D.C. is run by morons. It truly is. You want to find, hey, hey, Capitol Hill, you want to know what the problem in Washington, D.C. is? Find a reflective surface, and you got it. It's that little guy who is uh, upside down in your cereal spoon, Matt Gates, as you eat your Fruit Loops or your Lucky Charms or whatever. Whatever cereal is good for hair, but bad for the brain. It'll rot your brain. But there's other stuff going on. Really quickly, I just want to comment on this. It'll be an interesting development. Congressman James Comer, the guy leading one of the impeachment inquiries, and apparently Jim Jordan will be able to stick around and continue his impeachment inquiry, too, which I actually think is a good thing. The general, I'll explain that in a second. But um, <clears throat> the oversight committee over there in the House tweeted out, we have found a $200,000 direct payment to Joe Biden. And then there's a video attached to it. The video is is interesting. It's three and a half minutes long. The gist of it is, I can tell you. That in March of 2018, Joseph R. Biden Jr. Only only his brother would do that. Only a family member would do that. Uh, the check is made out to Joseph R. Biden Jr. The father has long since passed by then. There's no confusion. Like which Biden is this? We don't know. But you're not dealing with rocket scientists here with the Biden family. From James Biden Sr. $200,000, zero, zero cents. And in the, the little uh, memo thing, it says four, loan repayment. Loan repayment. Now, it turns out that on the very same day, March 1st, 2018, that James Biden Sr. wrote Joseph R. Biden Jr. <clears throat> this check for $200,000. James Biden Sr. got $200,000 transferred to him into the same bank account from a company called AmeriCorps Health LLC. AmeriCorps Health LLC, according to James Comer, was uh, in financial difficulties at the time. It's unclear to me at this point whether or not AmeriCorps Health LLC was one of the myriad LLCs set up by the Biden family to... Uh, 
basically launder money. Let's be honest. They say there's more to come. We'll see what comes. But the uh, chairman of the government oversight committee is very excited that they found direct money to this. I don't know that this will amount to anything. I just want to say that right off the bat. I don't know. Nobody knows. And quite honestly, even if even if this was a smoking gun, these Republicans in the House of Representatives could find a way to cool it down, wash it off. Well, uh, we're dusting it for prints, and it turns out that we used Windex to dust it for It wouldn't surprise me in the slightest that this is how these people work. So while this is interesting, because Joe Biden said never got any money, never had anything, no money, where's the money? And that's what, that's been a mantra over at MSNBC. If Joe Biden is a corrupt president and was where's the money where's the money where's the money where are the bank statements where are the well the argument conservatives rightly made in response was you'd have to be a special kind of stupid to have cashed checks for half a million dollars or whatever made out to joe biden you put in the memo thing bribe but there are all sorts of ways to get money to people pay their bills for them for example, help them buy a mansion or a second mansion or an oceanfront mansion or all the other things. Make sure you take care of all of their living expenses. Realistically, there's many, many ways to make sure money gets to somebody. And there are very few fingerprints. You could launder it, say, through three to five to 20 different LLCs all offshore, all confusing and people lose track of where the money goes. You can do that sort of stuff. So the people who sit there and go, well, where's the evidence that Joe Biden, it might be out there. It's always kind of funny because the most the people who most uh, are most vocal about asking, well, where's the money? If Joe Biden is so corrupt, where's the money? They're the journalists, so-called, in air quotes. They're the supposed journalists. They're the people who, in theory, should be looking for the money. If you remember during the Trump administration, the Washington Post assigned teams of reporters, teams of reporters to crawl through every little aspect of Donald Trump's business. No rumor was beyond the pale. If he said he was going to give a charitable donation, they hounded them until he did not. He has not given it or he gave some of it or whatever it was. They knew every little intricate little detail of his financial existence. And when it comes to Joe Biden, they don't know how he got rich. How did he get rich? Now, it's telling that they've been looking, Republicans in the House have been looking for uh, a year into Joe Biden's finances. And a $200,000 check is a pretty big check. I don't know. If, I mean, maybe, maybe not to you, but to most people, a $200,000 check is kind of a, a big deal. How did they just find this now? Where was this? Well, part of the answer, I think, lies in the fact that Republicans just impaneled the impeachment inquiry, which then gave investigators subpoena power. Finally, they could start looking into things. They could start looking for things that the Biden administration, that the Biden family wanted to keep hidden from them. I'd also remind you, 
ladies and gentlemen, of a nice little mantra that the left had during the Trump administration when people were pleading the fifth or people were fighting subpoenas and what have you. What did what was it that they said pretty commonly? I think Jake Tapper actually has it tattooed on his lower back. It's his tramp stamp. It's like, uh, if you have nothing to hide, why won't you testify? If you have nothing to hide, why won't you turn it over? Why won't you turn it over? Well, I would ask the Biden family, the White House, that's a question that has never been asked for them. If the president has nothing to hide, why won't he release his bank banking records? Why won't he? How did he get so rich? Well, he wrote a book and he gave some speeches. Does anybody believe, has there ever been a vice president in history who's gotten filthy rich off of giving speeches? Joe Biden would be the only one. Al Gore got filthy rich off of other things. He took $300 million in oil money for his current TV. He got filthy rich there. Plus, Hollywood was throwing money at him. Everybody was throwing money at him. He was a darling. But he tried to ingratiate himself to those people and did their bidding and, you know, also smiled upon the Chinese government. Remember when he did the fundraiser at the Buddhist temple out in California, raised $200,000 from monks who took a vow of poverty. It's what, we should send Al Gore to Buddhist monasteries around the globe, and we could pay off the uh, national debt pretty quickly. He's able to get blood from a stone. He's raised $200,000 from poor people. That's, that's a pretty good, and it's not like hundreds of thousands of, of monks living in that Buddhist monastery. Joe Biden the same way, except when Joe Biden left the vice presidency, he had zero cachet, zero stuff. That Al Gore had just lost the presidency but won the popular vote in 2000. Liberals felt that he was robbed, even though he wasn't. He lost his own congressional district, whatever. They thought that he was robbed, and they also thought fairly certainly that he was going to run again four years later. The rematch that they wanted. Oh, let's do it. He thought better of it. He was too busy releasing his second chakras all over the place and went and uh, decided to become filthy rich fully, totally to completely sell out and use the fact that people thought he might run for president as a way for them to get him money. But they loved him to begin with. And they thought he was robbed. Joe Biden had none of that. He's never been loved He's been tolerated. He's mostly your embarrassing uncle who sits there and farts at Thanksgiving during the prayer. You're just going, oh, jeez, Uncle Charlie, just, okay, whatever, just ignore it, just we'll get through this, that kind of thing. That's what Joe Biden has always been. So the idea that somebody's going to pay him a half million dollars for a speech, he would, granted, he was able to speak in 2017 when he'd left the vice presidency he was much more coherent than he is now but that's not saying much you say well joe biden has become senile and yes joe biden has become senile in the last few years but joe biden you've got to remember has always been stupid he's always been stupid that's why when you look at joe biden's gaffes when he says something wildly dumb or seemingly out of left field and you go he's senile you can't just say he's senile because you'll never know which way the scales are tipped. It could be, you know, he's he is senile, but he's also stupid. He's always he's been stupid a lot longer than he's been senile. So you don't know which one it is to blame. So you watch all this and you watch it unfold and you go, who's gonna pay that guy a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars 
to give a speech. Why would you do that? What area of expertise does he present? The closest thing he's ever pretended to be was a foreign policy expert. And even, even Bill Gates or Bob Gates, sorry, not Bill Gates, Bob Gates, Barack Obama's secretary of defense said that he's been wrong on every foreign policy issue for the last 30 years. There's nothing that Joe Biden has been right on when it comes to foreign policy. We're seeing the consequences of that now. So even if your company was like, all right, the corporate retreat, let's uh, let's get somebody to give a speech about China. There's no reason at all to think Joe Biden because he's been wrong on everything. So where did the money come from? I believe that he could have, you know, easily made a million or two dollars but he's got like 20 million dollars where does that come from what other things are set up out there for him the Penn biden center gets a massive donation from china and then or the pen does and then they start the Penn biden center why joe runs around saying oh i was a i was a i was a professor there at Penn." As me, as a professor. No, you weren't. You were, you were honorary. You never taught a single class. You've never had a student in your life. But he recounts, as if it just happened yesterday, him regaling students with tales of his time in the Senate. They paid him an awful lot of money, not millions upon millions of dollars, but they paid him an awful lot of money to use his name on letterhead, to be a figurehead, and to show up to fundraisers twice a year. It's basically it. It's usually what happens. That's the soft landing program for liberal politicians and liberal political appointees is they get, you know, they're the chair of this department. They're the honorary chair of this one. You got to give a commencement address. You got to show up to fundraising dinners. You got a glad hand and they've got to be able to put your signature electronically on fundraising letters to alumni. Maybe you got to go to a football game or something. It's a soft land. It's all throughout Washington, D.C. That's how it works. That isn't enough to get $20 million. Where did Joe Biden's money come from? Now, we've got only 200000 here. Nothing to sniff at. It's a good start. I want to know more. But weirdly, the people whose job it is, theoretically, to doggedly pursue more aren't asking any questions. They aren't asking. They don't care. Do you think Rachel Maddow is feverishly writing a monologue right now, sitting down on the computer? Hey, dear everybody, we got to do this, that, and the other thing. We need to know, for the sake of the republic, we must have an idea of where Joe Biden is getting his money from, starting with this $200,000. Why? Why did, okay, maybe it's a loan repayment. Maybe Joe loaned James $200,000. I'd like to know where the guy who went around saying is the poorest senator in all the government got $200,000 to loan his brother. You know, I'm just asking questions. Isn't that, I'm just asking questions. It absolves leftists from everything. But I want to know, where did he get the $200,000 to loan it out? Because at that point, March of 2018, Joe Biden had just left office in January of the previous year. January, February, March. That's that's 12, 14 months. 14, now this is the beginning of March, so it's really only 13 months. 
Joe Biden has been out there. Was he raking in the dough that fast? He wrote a book that didn't sell all that well. He probably got a nice advance, but he's got to pay taxes. He's got a literary agent, takes 10%. Even if he got a million-dollar advance, he probably ended up with about $500,000 in his pocket. At most. Did he spend none of that? Did he just break off 200 and say, here you go, brother, I don't need this money? Where's the money coming from? It's not just enough to have $200,000. It's to have $200,000 and be able to afford to give $200,000 to your brother. That's a hell of a loan. If you have $500,000 and you give away $200,000 of it to your degenerate brother whose main source of income was your old professional positions in government, you don't have a position to sell anymore. Joe, how is he going to make the money to pay you back? Somehow he did. He got it directly transferred to him from a failing company. It's all very weird. Questions need to be asked, but the people whose job it is to ask these questions are not at all interested in asking these questions. That seem a little bit weird to somebody. I think it seems a little bit weird to me. Now let's shift gears from the Biden corruption to Republican stupidity, shall we? Good Lord and holy Frank Tanana. Jim Jordan is out. There was another vote Friday afternoon. I don't know why. they. This is the thing about Washington, D.C., having worked on Capitol Hill. Votes don't normally happen where they don't know the outcome. Right? They're just, they're just, they just don't. Most leaders don't hold votes unless they absolutely know what the because you don't want to be embarrassed you want to waste time you don't want to do this that and the other thing if you if you show weakness in washington dc there are a whole bunch of people who will um attack and so that's why they don't that's why you sit there and say votes were delayed today whenever they're trying to do pieces of legislation nancy pelosi remember back to when they pushed through obamacare how long did that process take? There could be a vote today. There could be a vote tomorrow. We might wait until next week. They're voting. They're figuring it out. They're not. It's a procedural measure. They take the temperature, and all the while there are whips out there. Whips, not uh, not in a kinky way. Although Dick Durbin, you look at the guy and you think maybe he probably would be, but that's beside the point. Beside the point. Shame on you for thinking those thoughts. But you look at the. Uh, situation the whips are out there going all right they call every member where are you going to vote where are you how are you going to vote which way are you going to go now on occasion they just go and hell with it i i can't keep wait can't keep waiting the person won't give me an answer let's put them on the spot if you remember republicans were one vote away in 2017 i think it was from repealing and replacing obamacare in the united states senate they didn't know. They had everybody's vote. They knew how everybody was going to vote except for one person, John McCain. Mitch McConnell got sick of waiting for John McCain. John McCain was being coy. John McCain was sitting on the fence. And then apparently John McCain hinted that he was going to be cool with it. You know, yeah, no, totally. Uh, thumbs up all the way. And then the vote comes time and in comes John McCain. And he's kind of sitting there. And he does stand there down in the well. And he's like, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And he gives a thumbs down. And that was it. That was one. 
That was one of the few times that they did a vote. I think if I remember correctly, Democrats started to cheer and Chuck Schumer like wheeled around at him. No, no, don't cheer, don't cheer, don't cheer. But it was, they were cheering. That was what they were doing. They were, they knew exactly what the deal was. It was one of the few times when there was a surprise vote and they had just won. The Democrats had just won and embarrassed Republicans. Now, it's not hard to embarrass Republicans. Thorough job, damn thorough job of it themselves. So, you know, what are you going to do? But it is worthy of note that most of the time they know. They might not know the total vote count. And it's really weird. If you want to talk about a lack of principled people, they'll sit there and go, well, we don't know how the votes are going to shake out with this particular thing. We don't know. And then once somebody, when they go through the roll call, one person votes for something, and then it frees up and they win by a lot. And like, what the hell happened? Congress, members of Congress, members of Congress are cowards. They don't want to be the only one. It's funny because they all talk about how principled they are, but they never really are, except for McCain. I can't think of a single time when one person made the difference. They're like, there's seven members. We don't know how they're going to vote. Well, once one of them votes one way, then everybody's like Survivor. Okay, well, they're not going to screw me over and they're going to vote for Rudy. So I'm going to vote for Rudy. Otherwise, they're ready to change their vote because I'm not going to be the only one. I don't want to tick off leadership. So Jim Jordan lost again. And each time, the third time was not the charm. Jim Jordan lost more votes this time again. He was prepared to go into the weekend, there was maybe going to be another vote. They don't even know. I mean, they just can't get their act together. And so at the caucus meeting with Republicans, Jim Jordan said, what if you still want find out if you still want me to be your speaker-designate? And a majority of Republicans said, no, they don't. And so Jim Jordan's out. And you just have to look at these people and you go, if I'm a, if I'm married to a Republican member of Congress who like throws every, you're not popular enough. I'm going to throw you under the bus. I dedicate. I stand behind. I'm fully for this person. And then they're like, yeah, you know what? It's getting a little tough. I'm out of here. I'm going to be a little in the future about the future of my marriage if I'm married to one of these Democrats. Like, yeah, the going gets tough, and the tough get the the hell out of Dodge. Is that how it is? Now, before all this drama started, we got Matt Gates here. I mean, I guess I can't say before all this drama started. While all this drama was unfolding, Matt Gates is catching hell. I think Matt Gates is learning how wildly unpopular stepping into a field and run through it blind, run through it blindfolded is in the Republican Party. See, the, we Republican voters are not like these morons up on Capitol Hill. We look at stupidity and we go, stop being stupid. Solve the problem. Maybe you morons should stop being stupid. Just vote for somebody. Just pick somebody. And, you know, you go, who caused this problem? You go, oh, yeah, Matt Gates, Nancy Mace. You notice the first few days, Matt Gates and Nancy Mace were all... They could... They could, uh, oh, they were loving it. Look, I don't take PAC money. Give money to me. Yeah, you win with 70% of the vote. You don't really need to raise any money, Matt. You're not a hero here. All you're doing is kneecapping your, your, your own team. All you're doing is putting thumbtacks on the seats of your own teammates. Like, congratulations on that. Nancy Mace running around with a big scarlet A. Oh, it's my scarlet letter on my overly tight, unnecessarily tight T-shirt because I'm such a rebel. 
because I dared stand up for principle. Did you? I mean, the A in the book stands for adultery, and you are about to get into your third marriage, but we're not going to make any value judgments here. No. We just stand back and see what you clowns come up with. Well, they came up with nothing. And now Matt Gates is feeling the heat. Because Matt Gates is the threat to Matt Gates is never in the general election. The Democrats, they ran that Rebecca Jones after him. The remember the data scientist who proved that Ron DeSantis was cooking the books about COVID, and then he's like, no, no. She's like a geographer, and uh, she had nothing to do with anything of this of the nature, and she was just lying, and she's been convicted a few times of various problems with the law. And like the media ran with it. They still make her into a hero. She got the Democratic nomination to run against Matt Gates because it's essentially a suicide mission. It's a heavily Republican district, and it's Florida. But uh, he's got a worry now because the Republican base is so mad at him for making, for just exposing all this stupidity unnecessarily, having no plan at all. Follow me over here, all right? Why? I don't know. I don't don't know. Well, we just went through hell to get here. I know. I I don't know why we're here. We can go back if you want. Not leadership. Matt Gaetz's threat to Matt Gaetz is in the primary. And so now he's got to try and change his tune, try and seem more rational, try and seem more serious, try to seem like the voice of reason. So out on the steps of the Capitol today, uh, he's uh, asked about this situation. Now he goes into self-flagellation mood, mode. He says, well, uh, we'll take one for the team, the eight of us who voted with Democrats to start this whole mess. You can kick us off of committees. You can make us absolutely worthless. Please, for the love of God, Let's vote for Jim Jordan at the time because we've got to get out there. He offers up this deal. Please beat me. Throw me into the briar patch and uh, we'll call it even. Listen to it for yourself. We've made them an offer. The eight of us have said that we are willing to accept censure, sanction, suspension, removal from the Republican conference. We, of course, will remain Republicans. We will continue to vote with Republicans on Republican principles. But if what these holdouts need is a pound of our flesh, we're willing to give it to them in order to see them elect Jim Jordan for speaker. <laughs> we're willing. We are so principled. We're going to stand on this. Well, why were, where was these principles and loyalty and everything before? Because Jim Jordan was a fervent supporter of Kevin McCarthy. Right. Jim Jordan nominated Kevin McCarthy for speaker back when he. No, nope, not interested. They didn't want that pound of flesh because what the good is a pound of rotten flesh. But what's really interesting and really bad and just like embarrassing and lacks the self-awareness of like, I don't know. This is like Kardashian level lack of self-awareness is uh, Matt Gates then goes on to say that what they're doing is is legislating. Now, you can call it lots of things, but the complete and total inability to do anything legislatively whatsoever is not legislating. The world's on fire, and some of your colleagues do blame you for this disruption. 
Well, I would say that we've got a speaker designate. We could elect him. We could have a speaker right now. And, you know, I think the world was on fire when America sat atop a $33 trillion debt with no plan to reduce spending. I think the world was on fire as we watched the dollar just continue to slip away in its status as the global reserve currency. So maybe when the lobbyists and the special interests don't have total control of a Speaker of the House, they think the world is on fire and in chaos. But we actually believe this is governing. This is legislating. (laughs) When in doubt, throw some buzzwords out there. Uh, lobbyists and special interests. You know what a, a special interest is? It's uh, it's a group of people redressing the government for their grievances that you don't like. They're the lobbyists and the special interests. Otherwise, they're just activist groups. The word has no meaning. It's well, the lobbyists, the lobbyist money. All right, Matt, where's your piece of legislation? See, because if you want to get money out of government, there's a real simple way to do it, ladies and gentlemen. Get the government out of money. Right. Once the government stops spending 40 percent of GDP, they go back to drawing within the lines of the government as laid out by the Constitution, what the government is allowed to do. You will uh, you'll find a whole bunch of people will stop lobbying the government because the government is no longer giving out massive contracts. The government is no longer picking winners and losers. The lobbyists exist because the government does so much. And it's weird because the people who decry lobbyists the most are the people who get the government to do the most, thereby creating the most lobbyists, more lobbyists, more lobbyists. Government needs to do more. Government needs to spend. It's just one of those ironies in life that nobody ever thinks of and nobody up on Capitol Hill would bother, nobody in the press corps would bother to ask a question about. I'm just just saying. But uh, now Jim Jordan is now dead which I just want to point this out because I know Jim Jordan is now gone. Uh, He's withdrawn his name officially, and Byron Donalds is now one of the official announcings. They're going to wait until Tuesday to see. On Monday, they're going to have a whole bunch of new people come forward and try to say that they should be this. It's just a mess. It's a disgrace. Adults should not behave this way. They should be um, replaced, all of them, to be honest with you. But um, and when Republicans, you can sit there and say, well, nobody's going to care about this next year, Derek. Nobody's going to care. This is going to be forgotten. It will be. The specifics will be forgotten. What won't be forgotten is the sense. The failure, the Republicans can't get their act together. Democrats are going to spend a lot of money reminding people of this. You can say, well, people will forget about it. People will have moved on by then. Democrats will be reminding them of it. They're the obnoxious person who remembers whatever your worst moment is and brings it up every dinner. Like, hey, remember that time that you got your butt kicked in junior high? Yeah, I do. All right. I don't need to be reminded of it. Still got the scar. I'm fully aware. Democrats are going to be right there with it. And Republicans are so horrible at messaging, they're going to be way more effective. And Democrats have the entire apparatus of the media, of Hollywood, of popular culture. You said, well, no, but I don't watch TV. I don't have it. Well, congratulations. You're in a distinct minority. It doesn't matter. You don't have to be aware of popular culture for it to impact your life. In fact, the less aware of popular culture that you are, the more it impacts your life because you can't counter it. You can't talk about it. You can't undo the damage done. You've got nothing. As evidenced by the morons over at The View. 
The View is a part of NBC or ABC News, or it used to be part of ABC News. They moved it to ABC Entertainment a few years ago. I think even the news department recoiled in horror at the things that they were saying. Like, there are five women on this show. Not one of them could pass a third grade civics test. None of them have any idea what they're talking about, but they all say so. the key to being a success on television is you don't have to know things. You just have to be willing to say anything like you do. You just plow forward and say it with conviction. It could be the biggest load of excrement you could possibly imagine, but you just say it like you know it, like you were there. I saw it with my own two eyes. And people will go, all right, well, this this must be true. Now with television, cable news, and pseudo news programs, people assume that those people know what they're doing because why else would they be on television? I'm here to tell you they're on television for the express purpose that they're willing to say anything on television. (laughs) That's it. The people with the most knowledge rarely make it on television. There was a time back in my day, but not anymore. Policy experts used to beat a path. When I was at the Heritage Foundation, they'd beat a path from... 214 Massachusetts Avenue over to the CNN, MSNBC, and Fox were all pretty much in the same building. They're just nonstop. There'd be people. There'd be 20, 30 hits a day on these various networks by policy analysts who know what they're doing. They do this for a living. And then one day it just stopped. It just stopped. So now you got Sunny Houston or Houston or whatever the hell her name is, the uh, racist lady over at The View. Listen to her talk about Jim Jordan. I just want to demonstrate to what against what Jim Jordan was up against. Uh, everything, what you're about to hear is a lie, but it doesn't matter. If Republicans primary those members with somebody right wing, those seats will go to Democrats. Will, Republicans will lose the House majority. It is nonsensical what the House is doing. They cannot get their act in order. And frankly, we're going to deserve it if we lose next time. So they're being self-destructive. It's incredibly yeah. self-destructive. It's so chaotic. I yeah. mean, karma doesn't lose anyone's address. And I'm kind of enjoying <laughs> it in a sense because um, I've had my own personal interaction with Jim Jordan where he terrorized me. Really? It was, yeah, when I was testified in front of Congress, oh, he yeah. was like spitting he was yelling at me so much that he started spitting uh- oh yeah, he started spitting it was yeah he terrorized her i mean she's probably still in therapy for it the only problem is mediate went back and looked at her testimony before congress and her interactions with jim jordan and they had zero interactions jim jordan never spoke to her never asked her a single question in fact the panel that she was on she was only asked two questions. Both of them were from Congressman Hank Jordan, a Democrat. Never once did Jim Jordan speak her name, let alone address her in any way, shape, or form. But there she is on television, pulling a Biden, misremembering her own life. If you get enough of this crap, how do you overcome it? First of all, you got to be aware of it, and then you got to really seriously push back on it. And Republicans, they're too busy pushing each other. Every once in a while, you come across something where you're just like, the system is broken. The system is the system is broken. Make no mistake. But you also have to sit there and you go, how did it get this broken? And the only answer is progressive Democrats. That's it. It's always, whenever it has to do with crime, you can find, you can guarantee, you can promise yourself there's going to be a progressive Democrat behind it where they go, well, we, why was this person out on the street? It's never... 
hardcore conservative district attorney Johnson let this person go. Nobody ever says that. Because of this Republican conservative district attorney prosecutor, whatever, this monster was on the street. I don't think that's ever been read. It's like, oh, this, prose- this Democratic prosecutor released them without bail because the city council decided that to hold somebody would be just wrong. Always. You see somebody, Baltimore, D.C., Chicago, they go, oh, they killed somebody. And a shocking development. And you go, well, what was their record like? Well, it, it, you, have you ever seen War and Peace? That's like the Cliff Notes version of this guy's record. You go, why the hell was he on the street? Like, well, there's... Uh, there's over there's too many people in prison we've we've criminalized everything the school to prison pipeline and the left never goes well we should probably shut that pipeline down they talk about the horrible pipeline and they just decide they need to shut down the prisons we need to, too many people are going through the school to prison pipeline we need to keep them out of the prisons okay what do you want to do about it well, let's just close the prisons and then when they come out that pipeline instead of going to prison they're right back in their neighborhoods where they committed the crime. Like, huh, that doesn't seem like a very good plan. How about, here's an idea. We deal with the school problem, the school part of the problem, because it, it's the school-to-prison pipeline. The left always goes, prison's the problem, prison's the problem. I would say it's the school that's funneling people into this pipeline that goes directly to prison. Maybe you want to look at the schools. Just say, No, they go, no, no, never, never, never. Because the teach they own the teachers union own them, so they're never going to say, yeah, you know what, the biggest problem we have for the country right now facing is is Randy Weingarten, and uh, yeah, that's it. They're never going to do that, so they just ignore the problem. So a whole bunch of people, degenerates, I can't say, and it's going to be reported as they fell through the cracks, but they didn't actually fall, fall through the cracks. They, they walked through the door. They aren't cracks. They're wide open doors. This is by design that these people are out on the streets. Then you get a situation like this where there is zero good excuse for it. But there it is. And of course, it's out in California. Of course, it's out. In, by the way, the governor of California is headed over, headed over to Israel. Haven't they been through enough? But yeah, governor... Governor Hairdo is on the plane over there coming. He gave him fair warning. But, uh, yeah, poor, poor people. Meanwhile, of course, California is problem free. So Governor Hairdo can fly over there. But the uh, Libs of TikTok tweeted this out. It's from the ABC affiliate out there in San Francisco. It is an interview. It's a report with a guy named Joe Moore, Joseph Adam Moore. He's 46 years old. Now, I'm going to give you a few more details about Mr. Moore here before you hear this clip. They give some of the details, but I want to fill in some of the blanks just so you know what you're doing with. He's he's set up a, out in California, degenerates, junkies, and pretty much everybody you can imagine has set up tents around the city on the sidewalks wherever they want it's a, it's like the the biggest biggest campgrounds ever it's a wonderful thing if you don't mind you know stepping over needles and human feces it's a wonderful wonderful thing and this one happens to be across for uh for mr moore happens to be right across the street from a school i don't even know if it's across the street it's just out from the school property on the public sidewalk 
Well, the problem is, here's a little bit about Mr. Moore's background, a little more detail than you're going to get in this report. Joseph Adam Moore, 46, was imprisoned for six years for sex crimes, having molested a 12-year-old girl and was accused of having sex with a 15-year-old girl just a month after getting out of prison, according to records obtained by the San Francisco Standard. Now, you're probably sitting there going, what the hell is that dude doing anywhere near a school? But then you got to remember, this is happening in San Francisco. If the, you know, he's this is the tenure track. This guy, this guy's like a year away from getting tenure in the San Francisco school system. Listen to this. Been in San Francisco, basically homeless for 26 years. 46-year-old Adam Moore tells me he has lived on the sidewalk across the street from Stella Maris Academy for more than two years, and that his sign offering free fentanyl for new users is no joke. Moore says he's just passing on the drugs that other people give him in exchange for blankets and supplies he provides. They feel bad if they don't reciprocate, so they bring me trash that they've scavenged, things that they think are valuable. Or they give me some of the drugs that they have, which I don't do. You're exposing grade school kids to this. Mm -hmm. This is not right. You know that. No, no. It's it's shallow. I mean, the the kids come out of the school and they see this? Yeah. Yeah, I only live by two rules. Uh, Be kind to others and make it look easy for children. The Richmond District Police Captain told me they recently tried an undercover sting on Moore, but he didn't have any drugs at the time. However, it's his past that's led to some concerns. Moore is on the Megan's Law website for lewd and lascivious acts with a child under the age of 14. I was innocent of all of the charges that I've been accused of, convicted of. Moore is apparently not considered a high-risk offender, so he does not have to follow the rule to stay 2,000 feet away from any school. And uh, I was told that he is in compliance with all of the components of uh, what his sex registration are. Don't you just love that? Only in San Francisco, kids. Only in San Francisco. He's got a sign outside his tent, free fentanyl for new users. Do we have... A problem with fentanyl? Now, is he really giving away fentanyl? He says he is. He swears he is. He sounds like he's demented. He probably should be committed. He probably should have never gotten out of prison. I don't know how you get, what, six years for molesting a 12-year-old girl? That's it? Six years? And again, San Francisco. You heard him. He's been homeless on the streets of San Francisco for, what, 26 years? And he's sitting outside a school. A convicted child molester, like, well, you know, he's just a run-of-the-mill child molester. We don't really have to worry about that. We're not going to make him. He doesn't. He's not one of those 2,000 feet away child molesters. Are there really degrees of child molestation where you can look at it and go, no, you're cool to be around kids. Now, I, I got to be honest with you. I'll be careful here. But if I when I look at this report and as I hear about this story, I can't help but remember what would happen if, if this had happened, or think what it would have happened if this was anywhere near where I grew up. My dad would have beaten absolute hell out of it. All the fathers in the neighborhood would have beaten holy hell out of this guy. There's no question about it. There's no hesitation. There's not like, well, I think there would have been a meeting where they sat around and talked about this and maybe came to a different conclusion and they sent a strongly worded letter and they said, listen to you, kind sir, I challenge you to a duel. 
or go slap him across the face with an empty glove and be like, uh, high noon tomorrow, sir, we will duel with swords. No, no. This guy would have, he's, at a minimum, every one of his earthly possessions would have been thrown into the garbage on a daily basis, would have been set on fire, would have disappeared. Whatever it was, this guy's life, he would have ended up calling the police. He would have been, and I can't imagine the police are like, they go up to a guy dragging a t- his tent down the street, and they're like, where'd you get that tent? What tent? Oh, well, I don't see a tent either. Moving on. We did our investigation, and we found no tent. That's how things would have been handled in the past when you get somebody evil like this. But instead, this guy would probably have an ACLU-provided live streaming camera making sure that everything that happens around his little tent with the sign that says free fentanyl for new users. And the ACLU would have immediately said, snapped into action and sued you. If a business one, if anybody tried to do anything to this guy, the left is very, very concerned about the rights for degenerates. Isn't that weird? It's just one of those, I came across that story and I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. You gotta be kidding me. And no, there's no kidding. That's the world. That's the world. That's California. This story, it's a couple weeks old. You've probably heard about it. But I, I, it, since we're talking about California, USA Today, California creates ebony alert for missing black women and children. Here's how it works. This is USA Today, the nation's hotel doormat. Missing black people in California will have a specialized alert notification after Governor Gavin Newsom signed a bill creating the ebony alert. Okay, so, I mean, I, I know that Democrats... They invented it, and they thoroughly love it and embrace it. And then the it I'm talking about is, of course, segregation. It's their, it's their go-to. It's their jam. <laughs> I, I say it all the time only because it's true. Democrats have never changed their objective. They've only changed their tactics. Segregation, because this race is inferior. And they're like, oh, the times have changed. People ain't going for it. All right, let's find a new justification, because I still don't want to mix, mix them up. Oh, wait a second. Here we go. Segregation in the name of tolerance. Brilliant. Brilliant. We should have separate graduation ceremonies and high school and college dances and dormitories and everything in the name of tolerance. Yes. If it were in any other, the name of any other thing, it would be looked at as the bigoted horror that it is. But because it's done in the name of tolerance, everybody goes, oh, well, there you go. Tolerance. Oh, <laughs> What, are you intolerant uh, of bigots? Kind of, yeah. So uh, what do you, no, 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 no. We have to create a safe space for people. It's always white Chardonnay sipping suburbanite wealthy women. We need, yeah, I'll, I'll write you a check to your organization that makes sure that, that the minorities have a, a safe space for themselves so they can get away from those evil right-wingers. Wait, it's going to be down the block from here? Well, no, that's not. I'm not going to write a check to that. Oh, you'll move it across town? Well, then I'll definitely write a check to that. Not in my backyard. No way. The closest I like to come to interacting with anybody who's got a tan or anything beyond a tan is when my gardener comes by and uh, collects the money for, and then I don't even speak to him. I just leave the check in an envelope on the porch, on the veranda. There are always people who have verandas. This is the modern left. 
They want segregation down to the point of missing persons? Yes, they do. Now, it's weird because I'm not old enough to remember it, but in the civil rights thing, I wasn't around then, but in the civil rights time, they were fighting against segregation. And now the civil rights leaders are fighting for segregation. It's very bizarre. They cheer it. We've got it. We now have special interest. You remember the, I can't remember the girl's name. The really cute blonde girl, like 19 years old, killed by her boyfriend out in the, um, I don't know, one of the parks out west. Horrible story. It was never, it should have never been a national news story. But in the hierarchy of things, of how the media decides what is newsworthy and what isn't, first of all, it has, if it involves a celebrity, it, they'll, the disappearance, they'll do it. And then if it involves an attractive white woman, preferably blonde, whether she's the victim or the perp, they will go all in. They'll cover the trial. It doesn't matter where on the globe it is. They, the, that woman who was accused of murder in Italy is a prime example. They don't have to be just the victims. They can be the, the accused perp. And the media goes all in. Greta Van Susteren is dispatched somewhere to go and cover this thing. They, what Nancy Grace, they dust her off and throw her out there. This is going to be, a, we're going to quickly make a documentary about this. It's the most important thing ever. From there... From celebrity to uh, attractive white woman, it goes to a minority as a victim and the uh, white person as the perpetrator or a cop. If the cop is the same ethnicity as the minority as the victim, it doesn't matter. Cop trumps everything. And then after that, they don't care about anything. Nothing. And then way down at the bottom in the basement is black on black crime, which is you know, if you really care about human life, that's what you should be talking about. But the left doesn't care about human life. And you look at all this stuff and you go, that that seems perverted. And then when that, that girl disappeared, what happened? MSNBC, especially Joy Reid, went all in going, oh, they're only caring about this. They're only reporting on this. This is a media story. It's only happening because she's an attractive white girl. I'm like, yeah, that's right. She goes, what about the... Uh, what about the black and indigenous girls who are missing, go missing? There are hundreds of black and indigenous girls who go missing every single year, and you don't see anything about that. And you're like, yeah, all right, there you go. And then she listed some of them, and she chastised the media about their failure to cover this thing. And I thought to myself, Joy, do you know anybody with a TV show? Maybe, you know, just throwing a spitball in here. But if you care so deeply about this, you could probably talk about it, you know? Just saying. And she did that day. And then the next day, she went back to complaining about Republicans because she didn't really care. She saw an opportunity to attack Republicans, to attack conservatives, and go, they're the ones that do this. And meanwhile, her network did the exact same thing. They're all guilty of that. They're all pathetic. But the vast majority of the media that paid the most attention to that case and to all these cases is always left-wing media. Why? Because, as I said, they have a hierarchy of things. They really only care about it. Democrats have never changed their objectives. They've only changed their tactics. It's really gross, but it's really true. We got news now that Qatar is, is actively trying to negotiate the release of some hostages 
held by Hamas. Not, well, they're probably all Jewish, but he's, they're not trying to release the, uh, the Israeli ones. They're not really trying to release ones from other parts around the world all that much, but the United States. They're trying to suck up to the United States. Now you sit there and you go, well, is, is Qatar the one nation on the entire face of the earth that doesn't look at our president and chuckle quietly to itself? Are they taking Joe Biden serious? No, they're not. They're not. They decidedly are not. No one can. No one can. You just look at Joe Biden and you go, that's a shame. That's all you can think when you look at Joe Biden. It's because Qatar is the home to the leadership or most of the leadership of Hamas, the higher ups. They live in Doha. They live in really, really nice. They live like Dylan McKay. If you used to watch 90210 at the beginning of 90210, Dylan McKay, paid, played by the late Luke Perry, lived in a hotel. He lived in a penthouse suite in a hotel. I never heard that you could live in a hotel. I mean, I always guess I figured you could live in a hotel by just renting the hotel every day. But I didn't know that they had like residences and everything. It's too rich for my blood. But uh, the leaders of Hamas live in very, very nice four and five star hotels where over the course of a month, it's not uncommon for them to rack up a million dollars, including I think the bill we saw that was circulating on social media was like one month, $30,000 for spa services. I mean, it's a dry heat and everything over there, but still it wreaks havoc on your pores and you don't want your crow's feet to get any worse because that just would be, that'd be inhumane. And yet when you're, when you're trying to convince somebody to strap a bomb to their chest and go into a, you know, a playground or something and blow themselves up, you don't want to look haggard. You want to look well-rested. It's just, you know, pro tip for every terrorist recruiter out there. You got to spend the money to get the honey. Right? You want 72 virgins. Somebody else is going to have to spend some money to make sure that the leadership looks good or something like that. I don't really know. I don't think that they... I, I think they might be lying. I'm going to have to look into that. But you watch these. They're living like kings, and they're living in Qatar. They're living in Doha. They know where We know where they are. If we had a president with contents in the front of his underpants rather than contents in the rear of his underpants, that president of the United States after the attack in Israel, the terror attack, would have demanded that those people, the heads of this organization, be arrested and extradited to, you know, maybe it'd be too much to ask that they be sent to the United States and you know, the, given the Democrats, they'd find a way to sabotage the trial, but send them over to the uh, the world court, send them over to The Hague, arrest them, try them for war crimes. But they didn't. Now, there came a point where there was reaching a little bit of a, a chorus of people saying, hey, we know where these terrorists are. Why don't we do something about that? And so Qatar, Qatar however you want to pronounce it, they're getting a little bit uh, nervous. Get a little bit concerned going, oh man, they, it turns out that harboring terrorists might not be a, the growth industry that we thought it would be. 
if we get on the wrong side of the United States, they could hammer us with sanctions. Or they could just take out the luxury hotel with the push of a button, the whole damn thing. So maybe we should do something. They're not about to turn over the terrorists. So instead, they thought, well, why don't we try something else? We'll get some hostages. And the first two hostages have been released. They are, of course, Americans, a mother and daughter team. And I suspect the fear of the ramifications for their open, open flouting of uh, terrorist laws, murder laws, and harboring terrorists, I think we're responsible for this. It would be nice if uh, we acted on that. We used this leverage, but our president is too busy cutting checks to... uh, I love that speech. We have got to have a discussion about what's going on in Israel. What happened was terrible. And then it's just as bad as what's going on in Ukraine. Let me tell you about... Let me take five minutes to talk about Ukraine. Wait a second. Why don't you just talk about the terror attack at hand rather than things we know are war as hell. It's been going on for a year and a half. We get it. But like 1,500 civilians were just murdered the other day. It's kind of... You should probably address that. No, no, no. We got to conflate the two. We're going to stand by Israel as long as I get money for Ukraine. Because I don't, I and nobody in my family gets their beaks wet from sending aid to Israel, but from sending aid to Ukraine, half of the Washington, D.C. establishment is getting moistened with that. Their beaks are wet all all up and down the eastern seaboard from that because Ukraine is the most corrupt place on the face of the earth. And I love the president saying, I care so deeply about it. We must stand unequivocally with Israel as long as Ukraine gets the money too. And I am requesting $105 million. That's how serious I am about my commitment to Israel and Ukraine. And Ukraine. Let's just take a look at that. $105 billion. Joe Biden is officially requested from Congress. Well, maybe not having a speaker is a good thing right now. $105 billion. $12 billion is for border agents. See, they got to stop, allegedly, stop the uh, flow of fentanyl. They're not really all that interested in it, but they're pretending to be. It's cute. They try. Every once in a while, they try. They pretend. $7.4 billion is for Taiwan and other Pacific allies. Why? I mean, if, if Taiwan needs something, couldn't you do a a separate appropriation for it. You have to lump it in with what, you know, just happened in Israel. And it says, uh, okay, but we also need $9 billion in humanitarian aid for Ukraine, Gaza, and Israel. And you go, wait a second, wait, one of these things is not like the other. That one of them, what was the second one you said again? You suddenly become Kevin Klein in A Fish Called Wanda. What was the second thing? Gaza. Oh, humanitarian aid for Gaza. Um, every time we've given the Palestinians humanitarian aid, it has been usurped by terrorist organizations because they kind of run the show. There's also not really, at least I've never heard of a single incident in Gaza or the West Bank or anywhere where the terrorists did something horrible or were trying to do something horrible and the masses stood up against it. 
I, have you ever heard anything, any incident like I never heard an incident like that where they like you have killed innocent civilians in our name for the last time. This is outrageous. We've had enough death. We want peace. I've never heard that. Now maybe it's happened. It'd be kind of tough to get that kind of information out of there, but I don't believe it's ever happened. Now, there are probably there are bound to be people over there with that sentiment. Maybe they're afraid. Nobody has the courage to stand up to these terrorists. It's understandable to a certain extent, but after I don't know fifty, sixty years, you might kind of tell these people to go to hell, get some people together, and stop them. But no, you vote them into office, and then out of the uh, the aid package, one hundred and five billion, because it's not really adding up to one hundred and five billion just yet. Ten point six billion is for Israel. Ten point six billion. Okay, one hundred and five billion. Ten point six. It's roughly ten percent. Ten percent of the money is going to Israel, which is wait, wait a second. Ten percent of the money. Ten percent. There's twelve billion for the border. Now that's the catnip. That's the string. That's let's. Hey, Republicans, look over here. Twelve billion for the border. Will it be for deportation of illegal aliens? Will it be for? the finding of illegal aliens across the country who have bogus claims of asylum, who have no right to asylum whatsoever, who come from places where there's no threat to them whatsoever. They just want to come here and and get jobs, which is not a reason for asylum. Asylum would never be granted. No, it's not that at all. It's, like I said, it's for border agents mostly going to be used to process them process the illegals. It's going to be a whole bunch of new federal employees that you'll never be able to fire with pensions that you'll never be able to change to 401ks or defined contributions sorts of things. And they'll be given a rubber stamp to sit there and go, pachunk, pachunk, you're approved, pachunk, pachunk, here's your phone. See you in, I don't know, three to five years for your court date, should you show up, whatever. Congratulations. Welcome to the United States. Don't forget to vote. Okay, so there. I've detailed $7.4 billion for Taiwan, $12.12 billion for border agents, Nine billion for humanitarian aid for Ukraine, Gaza, and Israel, and ten point six billion for Israel. Seems like there's a lot of money missing there. Now I wasn't a math major. But then you look at the top item on this. Remember, this is after a speech after a terror attack against Israel. The top item on this is sixty one point four billion dollars for Ukraine. Sixty billion for Ukraine. If you're playing the home game, $105 billion versus $61.4 billion. You just take $61.4 billion and you double that, right? That's $122.8 billion, which if you just look at that, well, it's only $105. That means that more than half... More than half of the money that Joe Biden is requesting to help Israel is earmarked for Ukraine in his own proposal. That seem a little bit weird to anybody? It might make you think that this guy's not really serious. And in fact, rather than seeing a clear moral situation where the United States must come down on this side of it for the good of humanity, it's he looked at it and he saw himself an opportunity, a golden opportunity. So he's using the terror attack in Israel as a delivery device, much the way he's exploiting it, much the way he uh, exploits the death of his daughter and his wife, 
Much like he exploits the death of his son, Bo. He's, you know, there's nothing this man won't use or won't do. He's got a long history of it. For years, it was, my wife was killed by a drunk driver. My wife and daughter were. And the guy was not drunk. There's some question as to whether who was responsible for the accident to the point that the father, the guy's family threatened to sue. And then Joe Biden changed his tune. See, it's all well and good. You can you can spew lies and use them for your own political advantage. But once you once you are threatened with discovery, once you're threatened with being put under oath, that's a whole different ball of wax. You've got to move in a different direction. You've got to run away from that one. And Joe did every single time. Every single time to hear him tell it, Bo Biden might as well have died taking a hill in Iraq. Except that he was in JAG Corps, served in Iraq. I think he was there for eight months. Nothing against his service. But to hear Joe Biden tell it, Bo Biden was killed in Iraq. He died of brain cancer several years after his service in Iraq. But he uses that to try to identify with gold star families, which is, honestly, it's gross. It's really just gross. I know what you're doing. Through. I lost my son in Iraq. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. You're talking to 13 families of soldiers who died because of your incompetence in Afghanistan. And you're telling, I know what it's like. I lost my son in Iraq. No, you didn't. It takes a special kind of evil to even try to pull that lie off. And that's what Joe Biden does. But then again, that's really been his whole life, to be honest with you. I want to shift it up a little bit here because I just saw that just since we're talking about Democrats, I want you to know what the progressive left is. The progressive left is the home of racism. They truly, truly are. They always have been the progressive movement in the beginning of the, the 20th century. Woodrow Wilson had re segregated the military not a big fan of of black people a total racist still lionized by the left until recently it's kind of i always thought it was weird i remember i don't know it had to be 10 years ago now the republicans were doing a retreat a congressional retreat in the it's southern virginia or maybe middle virginia somewhere in there some play every year congress does these retreats because why because you know wouldn't you like to go to a nice place on somebody else's time for a couple of days and call it work. And I forget where the Democrats went. They seem to like switch up. Everybody switches. Somebody goes someplace nice. And then the other team goes to Baltimore. <laughs> like, sorry. But um, they're down there. And one enterprising young journalist. Earning their future Pulitzer no doubt. Noted that the some of the meeting rooms at this resort. That Republicans were holding meetings in were named after slave owners. Because who, who doesn't walk into a, a conference center where each room is named because they have to name it? Otherwise, like, it's the 17th door down on the left, and then you turn right, and then you do, No, you go to the Johnson Suites down there, you go left. And so some of these rooms were named after slave owners. Now, I've walked into probably 100,000 rooms in my life, if not more. You probably have, too. How many times have those rooms been named Probably a bunch. How many times have you stopped at the door and said, wait a second. I got to see who this Stutz suite is named after. I'm going to need some a local historian here. I'm going to need somebody. Google won't be enough. I need to speak to hotel management, maybe even ownership to get to the bottom of how it was that this establishment decided on this name. 
No one ever did. But it became a bit of a scandal because the people who decide what constitutes scandals uh, only constituted for Republicans, and they decided this was a scandal and wildly culturally insensitive. Well, I remarked at the time that it was odd that Democrats were making hay about this on MSNBC when literally every single state in the country, the Democratic Party had a Jefferson Jackson Day dinner. It was their annual big dinner. They all had it, all 50 states, every state party, and even the National Democrats had their Jefferson Jackson dinners, named after Thomas Jefferson and Andrew Jackson, two people who were slave owners. I'm not one of those people who gripes about people, and I don't try to hold people in the past to the norms of today, but Democrats are, and they were hammering Republicans on this, so I thought it might be worthwhile to note that they were being raging hypocrites. And ever since then, they've sort of gone away. They, they still have their annual dinners because they want the money, but they no longer call it the Jefferson Jackson dinner. They, I forget what it is. It's the annual unity dinner. It's probably the Barack Obama dinner or something like that. Because Democrats are trying to cover up their own past. They were the originators of slavery. They were the guardians of slavery. Once they lost the Civil War, to Republicans, they became the creators of segregation and Jim Crow, and then were the defenders of segregation and Jim Crow until they could no longer defend segregation and Jim Crow. And they quickly switched and said, we're against all that stuff. But we totally need segregation under the banner of tolerance now, like I said earlier. They don't change their objectives, they change their tactics. So this story from the Oregonian, out in uh, the Pacific North, this is it doesn't get any bluer than Oregon. They're crazy out there. They're, they're still watching Portland burn. They're still getting the secondhand smoke from Seattle burning. And they're still going full bore, let's go leftist, let's go leftist, let's go. You got to admire their commitment to the cause. They Maybe they would make good suicide bombers. I don't know. Oregonian story. Oregon high school students won't have to prove basic mastery of reading, writing, or math to graduate from high school until at least 2029, the State Board of Education decided unanimously on Thursday, extending the pause on controversial graduation requirements that began in 2020. Hmm. That seems like a weird thing for a school board, to, but, but let's we'll read on. The vote went against the desires of dozens of Oregonians who submitted public comments insisting that the standard should be reinstated, including former Republican gubernatorial candidate Christine Danzen. Backlash against the lower standards had already delayed the vote, originally slated to take place on Thursday. Opponents argued that pausing requirements devalues an Oregon diploma. Yes, it does. It's, you're just giving it to them. They're just, it's like uh, Dr. Jill's doctorate, right? It's not, it's an education doctorate. Like, oh, Dr. Jill, Dr. Jill, somebody over there has been shot. I don't know. I can't write a coherent sentence in my uh, dissertation, so you can't expect me to help stop the bleeding. Sorry. But make sure you keep calling me doctor. Giving students with low academic skills extra instruction in writing and math, which most high schools did in response to the graduation rules, helped them, they have argued. But leaders in the Oregon Department of Education and members of the state school board said that requiring all students to pass one of several standardized tests or create an in-depth assignment for their teacher 
judged uh, for their teacher judged as meeting states uh, standards for was a harmful hurdle for historically marginalized students, a misuse of state tests and did not translate to meaningful improvements in students post high school success. Now, wait a second. What was that? What was that first thing they kind of snuck in there? Well, I'll read it again. But leaders at the Oregon Department of Education and members of the state school board said requiring all students to pass one of several standardized tests or create an in-depth assignment their teacher judged as meeting the state's standards was a harmful hurdle for historically marginalized students. Now that's code, ladies and gentlemen. Democrats always talk about dog whistles. The only people who hear, the only creatures who hear dog whistles are dogs. But Democrats hear them all the time. The headline of this story, I should have said, because it gives away, I saved it. The headline is, Oregon again says students don't need to prove mastery of reading, writing, or math to graduate, citing harm to students of color. Students of color. That means that the white liberals out in Oregon look at black people the way Joe Biden does. Look, black, uh, white kids are just as smart, or whatever it is that he said, black kids are just as smart as white kids, or poor kids are just as smart as, what, what, huh, who? Yeah, that's how they view it. That's how they look at it. Higher rates of students of color students learning English as a second language, illegal alien children, and students with disabilities end up having to take intensive senior year writing and math classes to prove they deserve a diploma. Well, yeah, the diploma has to either have standards or it doesn't. If it doesn't have standards, then you just give it out to to Jill Biden. If they have to work harder, then maybe you want to look at why that is. Why is it that teachers have not uh, been able to teach these kids? Does that seem like something you should want to know? It's Again, it's that school-to-prison pipeline thing. They don't want to shut down the, the pipeline feeding the kids to a life of crime. They want to shut down the consequences at the end of it. They want to close the prisons. That seems a little weird. If you want to improve the quality of people's lives, you make sure that they get an education so that they don't go into a life of crime, or at least you significantly reduce the possibility of them going into a life of crime. But that's not how it works with Democrats. Hey, if children of color, because I I guarantee you, Oregon is just like everywhere else. Democrats love segregation. The more the bluer the state is, the more segregated it is. The school districts that are majority people of color are in heavily Democrat areas, even the Democratist of the Democrat areas. And they tend to be clustered together. Democrats love segregation, like I said. They could try to fix those schools and find out why it is that students of color are not learning. It's not math is racist. It's not that English is racist. There's something fundamentally wrong with the education system, you would think, particularly in areas where students are scoring lower. It's really easy now to just look at it and the Democrats go, it's, it's systemic racism. It's just system, systemic racism. Well, why is it systemic racism? If it's systemic racism, why are Asians doing so well? Why are Indian Americans? Well, no, 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 shut up. You're not allowed to ask that. You're not allowed to say that. What are you, some sort of right-wing nutjob? 
It really is true. You look up the Indian Americans from India and uh, the Asian Americans, and they're just blowing away everybody. They're blowing away everybody. You're like, wow, for white people are really bad at white supremacy. White people are really, really bad at oppression. Because even on the income scale, white people ain't ruling the rest. I think we're like seventh if you really go through the ethnic groups. If you met the next white people meeting, I'm going to have to bring that up. This is wildly unacceptable. But Democrats, instead of saying, okay, well, we've got to figure out what the problem is and demand more, more from the students, demand better from the students, and demand better from the teachers. Remember, they're, they're not saying you have to be able to do advanced calculus. You must be able to draw a hexagon or so, draw a four-dimensional thing. And No, you have to be able to do basic math and you have to be able to read something and comprehend it and be able to answer some questions about it. And these kids aren't getting that. That's a major, major failure on their part. And they're all going, well, we're just, we'll just get rid of the standards. There you go. Hey, not everybody's boat is floating, so let's just drain the bay. Then nobody's a rising tide lifts all boats, but a sinking tide makes everybody on the bottom. And we have justice. We have social justice. We have equity. Equity. It's really what this is about. Equity. It's about the finish line. Somebody's too fast of a runner. If you put uh, 100 pounds of weight on their back, we'll slow them down. There, we've achieved equity. Well, what about maybe you try to teach the slower people to run better? Get them to. No, 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 no. We can achieve equity by waiting down by putting some rocks in the shoes of the really fast kids and all the while of course sitting over on the sidelines smoking their germs which i think are legal illegal now smoking their germ clove cigarettes drinking their chardonnay is the suburban wealthy white lady going that's a shame what's happening to those minorities where instead of helping them Instead of doing anything, I'll help them really easily. We'll lower the standards. That's it. We'll lower the standards. That'll serve them better in life. Well, it ain't the black kids that are, you know, the white kids are not not learning math now. You lower the standards. The white kids in the schools where the teachers try, where the unions don't control everything, they're still learning math. They're still learning English. Even the minority kids who go to those schools, it's weird. It's if you look at the demo, demographics in the schools that are not failing, all demographics are doing much better than the average. It's almost like it's it's down to the teachers. But you look at all that crap and they're like, ah, eh, they'll keep learning. But now there'll be a whole bunch of people getting degrees, high school diplomas, who can't do the basics. It's going to work out great for them, isn't it? Democrats just, I tell you, they never change their objective. They just change their tactics. There you go. That's enough for today, I think, or maybe too much. Who knows? It's all a matter of taste anyway, isn't it? When you've got a headache, you don't really give a damn. I'm going to go put kids to bed and lay down and watch. I, I watched the Lions part of it today. What a joke. People always go, are you getting excited about the Lions? No, is my answer. No. Like, why not? They're doing, they're looking good. Because I know what they do. They always let you down. They get you, they wait until they get you excited. And then they rip the rug out from under you. Or they just screw up and suck from the beginning and you go, I give up, it's over. And then they'll show glimmers of hope and you're like, wait a second. 
What's going on? Could it be? No, it never is. So there you go. it looks like they'll probably make the playoffs, but only because everybody else sucks worse. And, you know, the old joke, uh, JFK has only missed one Detroit Lions playoff victory. I remember that victory. I can't remember who they beat, but I remember that they won one. And I thought, ooh, this is the year. And ever since then, never again. Never, ever again. Have a great Monday. I'll see you tomorrow.